Hello. You are listening to Radio Maria, and this is your word for today with me, Brother Bede Mullins, a Dominican friar of Blackfriars Oxford. Last Friday we celebrated the feast of the great archangels Michael, Gabriel and Raphael. Today we celebrate the feast of the guardian angels. An angel is simply a messenger or intermediary. The Greek word angelos, from which we derive the word angel, is used, for instance, to refer to characters in plays who arrive from an offstage event, a battle perhaps, or a betrayal, or a crime, and announce what has taken place. By carrying news of the event, they carry its effects, making present to the characters on stage here something that has taken place at a distance in space and time. By supplying us, the audience, with vital information, they enable us to participate and enjoy the drama with all its twists and turns, its ironies and its hidden significances. The great archangels do something like this in the drama of salvation. The victory of God is hidden from eternity in the councils of the Holy Trinity. It took place invisibly when Christ was restored to life in the Holy Sepulchre. But in St John's Apocalypse, the archangel Michael makes this victory visible when he overcomes the devil. Or in the book of Gabriel, in the book of Daniel, Gabriel accompanies the young prophet and interprets his mysterious visions. Gabriel thus preaches the word from out of these visions. In the fullness of time, it was Gabriel who came to announce the word to Mary, the word she conceived first in her heart, then in her womb for the salvation of humankind. Raphael is especially associated with healing, and his administrations, as recorded by the Bible, are less grandiose. In the book of Tobit, he accompanies the young Tobias on a journey, and throughout that story, he generally ministers God's courteous kindness to the troubled characters. He turns their would-be tragedies into a comedy, a happy ending, all the happier for being so unlikely. Raphael, located in this scriptural side story, probably comes closest of the three archangels to the lesser angels that we celebrate today, our own guardians. If the archangels help the drama of universal salvation in its progress, we may say that the guardian angels are responsible for helping along the drama of our individual salvation. To each of us, they minister the special kindness and courtesy of God. I say courtesy here as a mark of the respect, the gentleness which God shows for each of us, the way his grace heals and builds upon rather than knocking down and stunting the nature he has given. J.R.R. Tolkien, in one of his letters, offers a beautiful reflection on the nature of the guardian angels. He says that he was one day at adoration, kneeling before the blessed sacrament. A light was pouring into the church from behind the monstrance, and in that light he saw illuminated many specks of dust. He marvelled that those specks caught in the light were just like the way we are each suspended in God's grace. Not enveloped and, and obscured in a single mass, but each one picked out and made resplendent in its own right. And then he thought, Maybe that is the significance of the fact that we each have an angel. In the life of the Trinity, the Spirit is the love of the Father and the Son, that love 
as a third person. Perhaps analogously, God's love for us is so immense that it can only be sufficiently expressed by taking on its own subsistent being. That being is purely spiritual because it is God's love, but it is a real being in its own right. God has made the angels for love of us, and our guardian angels minister to each of us the special tenderness and kindnesses that God intends for us, for me and for you, to lead me and you each on our way to salvation. It is a tremendous thing to think that the angels were made to serve us. Naturally speaking, they are far nobler, more powerful creatures than we are. They have none of the weakness and encumbrance that attends on our bodily nature. Our limited capacity to love must be expanded over the course of a single lifetime. But they have an intense power of loving, which chooses to love and obey God in a single instant. Therefore, they behold the vision of God even now. And yet these mighty beings minister to us. They are at the behest of God's loving concern for the lowest of all spiritual creatures. For human beings, although they are at the apex of the material creation, are lowest in the order of spirit. But God from all time has means to raise up the lowly, to make the last first. Some strains of Jewish tradition hold that the fallen angels fell because they refused to serve God's creature Adam, the human being. They could not tolerate the thought of subservience to something naturally lesser than themselves. And that's why they lost what glory they had, for all glory is borrowed glory, borrowed from God. And this in turn is a testament to the greatness of our angels, that they stoop down, like God in Christ, to minister to us, to help us in our need. <clears throat> Today's collect, the opening prayer of the Mass, asks not only for the protection of the angels, but that we may enjoy their company. This reflects the will of the angels themselves. They want us to arrive in heaven, with all the same desire that God has that we should return to him in heaven. We will give them joy and satisfaction in having served us, in seeing us come safely to enjoy their friendship in eternity. Here below, we cannot see the working of the angels on our behalf. Only rarely are we granted an inkling of their doings. But when we come to the vision of God, when we plainly see what love he has had for us in all the vicissitudes of this earthly life, then we shall also see our angels, those personalised rays of God's love and how they have accompanied us along the way. And we shall have a companion in heaven that we hardly realise we already have now on earth.
Angels watching over 